0: Hey, listeners, you may notice that my voice sounds a little different today. That's because all of us at Slate, probably like you, are working remotely during this pandemic. And so I'm using a different microphone, and I am recording this from inside the closet of my home. And we really appreciate all of you sticking with us during this time. Um, and, And we hope to return the favor by being able to deliver an episode to you every week that makes surviving this a little bit easier. And if you have any questions about how to get through this period, we will do our best to find some answers. J- just drop us a note at howtoatslate.com. And in the meantime, please stay safe and healthy, and away from crowds, and keep listening.
1: To this day, I, I don't have I don't have pictures of her in the house. I, I can't I can't look at it. You know. In my professional life, I've taken care of children who ended up being murdered by their parents. And I've seen horrific abuse. I don't think I can forgive her. I don't think that she deserves forgiveness.
0: This is How To. I'm Charles Duick Each week, we talk to a listener who's struggling with something in their life and wants to know how to make it better.
1: Yeah, it's kind of unnerving to have kept this secret for so long, and then to tell it in such a public way.
0: This is Claire. She's a retired pediatric physician living in New Mexico. Claire's not her real name because, as you can hear, she's nervous about something in her past.
1: Well, I I became the repository of a family secret. Um, This is one of those almost like deathbed revelations.
0: A little over a decade ago, Claire's mom's health suddenly started declining, and she needed an assisted care facility.
1: So my brother and I were looking for a place to put her, and it was in the car with my brother that he told me uh, what had happened. And he started out by saying, did mom or dad ever hit you? And I said, well, no. We were all children growing up in the 50s and 60s where there were spankings, but it wasn't uh, anything vicious. And And he said, well, Mom did. And he said that Mom used to knock him down to the ground and then sit on his chest and bang his head against the floor. And this was a man who had been a long-range reconnaissance patrolman in Vietnam who had known hand-to-hand combat. And he said to me, I have never seen such unrestrained savagery.
2: Hmm. And
1: those... Those words have been seared onto my being. And then he said, I must have been a really bad kid to deserve that. Uh, Which just broke my heart. And I, and you know, especially being in pediatrics, I said, there's nothing, there's nothing that you could do that would warrant that kind of treatment. And... It was very difficult going back after our uh, outing to look at places for mom. It was hard to go back and and take care of her. I was so heartbroken, outraged. Um, I'm still, 10 years later, thinking, how could she do that? How, How could she do that to her firstborn child? How could she do that to any child? And it not only changed my relationship with her, but it changes, it it taints all of the memories that I have of her that might be pleasant. And for me, the lowest rung of hell has always been pedophiles, but the next row up from that would be people who abuse children. And that's exactly what happened in my own family, and I found out about it when I'm 55 years old. And I don't know what to do with it. I'm I'm still spending some energy on it, and I don't really want to do that.
0: How How often do you find yourself thinking about this? It's been It's been ten years since your mother passed away.
1: Yeah, it changed. It changed me to the point that I actually changed my name because I was named for my mother and my two grandmothers, and I didn't want to be named for my my mother anymore. Um, so in 2015, I actually changed my name.
0: Claire's brother passed away last year, and she's the only one left in her immediate family. Which is why she felt like she can finally talk about this. But this knowledge of what her mom did to her brother, it's a really heavy thing to carry around. And she wants to stop thinking about it. She says she wants to find some way to forgive her mom, but she doesn't know how. And maybe you or someone you know is carrying something like this. Maybe you've been abused yourself, or or hurt, or betrayed and you want to find a way to stop thinking about it so you can give up that emotional weight. Or maybe you feel guilty yourself because you can't let it go. How do you forgive something that seems unforgivable? Today, we'll talk to someone who experienced an awful tragedy many years ago and found a way to be at peace with it. Stay with us. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hello, Slate listeners. Do us a favor and help us make a better Slate by answering our survey. It'll only take a few minutes. You can find it at slate.com slash survey. Tutu Van Firth is the youngest daughter of Archbishop Desmond Tutu, who's best known for winning the Nobel Peace Prize fighting apartheid in South Africa. But on April 12th, 2012, Empo's life changed in this sudden and tragic way. She had spent the day out in Cape Town with her family, and when she came home, she saw something terrible. Her housekeeper, Angela, was lying on the floor. She had been stabbed to death.
3: My brother-in-law and I found her. We, we went into the house together and, um, you know, kind of I was walking through the house because it was really strange that she hadn't answered the door and she hadn't answered the phone and she hadn't said where she was. And so we, we walked through the house and, and um, found her tied up um, in my daughter's bedroom um, with a lot of blood. As it turned out, she was murdered by somebody who had been working for me as a gardener.
0: The gardener had been stealing things from Empo's family when Angela interrupted him.
3: And um, I I just remember vividly the the police officer asking, as he kind of had been through the house, okay, was anything taken? And I remember thinking, yeah, a, a life. The young man who, who killed her was somebody who I knew and um, and so I, I needed to be able to forgive him um, in order to make some space in my life to be able to move on. You know, forgiveness isn't a requirement. It's not an ought to or should. I, I would never put should next to forgive. Um, but I think that what you do discover in the process of working towards forgiveness is that that it's not the person who you forgive who's the ultimate beneficiary. It's you yourself.
0: Two years after Angela's death, Empo wrote a book with her father called The Book of Forgiving.
3: In a way, what... You're saying, is if I say I forgive you, I'm saying I no longer reserve the right to take revenge on you for that thing that you have done. And what the experience is of, of walking around with something that is unforgiven is that every time the image of that person comes up who you haven't forgiven. There's a churning that you experience or, you know, an anger or an Mm -hmm. anguish or a hurt. In a way, they get to decide how you're feeling. They get to have the decision of what your day feels like by how much they intrude on your consciousness.
0: You mentioned the the murder of Angela, someone Mm -hmm. who had come into your house and had looked after your children, someone someone who was a part of your family. Mm -hmm. I imagine... When she was first murdered, and when you learned that it was, was someone else in your house who had done that, what was that like, initially, and how did, how did your feelings evolve over time?
3: Yeah, I think the initial feelings were shock and rage, not even um, anger. It was um, literally like seeing red, <laughs> and. Uh, Deep sense of violation, that sense of how dare you, um, and I, you know, I can imagine that perhaps um, Claire he- hearing the story from your brother that those <laughs> might be um, things that you you also recognize um, that you 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 spoke to being so angry as well. But one of the things that that really began. The healing process for me almost immediately was telling the story with my friends and with my church community, and that that really was the beginning of that healing process. Was telling the story. Wait,
0: wait, what what was the gardener's name? Olhueto. Olhueto. Did you have a relationship with Olueto? Was it someone whom whom you felt like you knew? Yes. 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 How, how did you feel when when you learned that? he was responsible for the murder.
3: A real deep sense of betrayal and the sense of it also coloring the relationship that we had in the past.
1: Mm-hmm. That resonates. Because it's not just that my relationship with my mom was changed from that time on, but knowing that changed how I looked at her Mm. And how I looked at my memories of her, and you're right, I didn't have the fondness and the love that, of those memories. The times that we had that were good don't seem so good now.
0: Claire, let me ask you, I think the argument Empo is making is that is that sometimes we forgive not because the other person deserves it, but because we need it. We need it. What do you think and, of that?
1: Intellectually, I know that. It's, it's getting there emotionally, and I think that's why I reached out. One of the things that is um,
3: really striking to me, Claire, is it seems that this is maybe one of the first times that you're telling this story. That in itself is a piece of healing, just, just to be able to tell the story.
1: I was really envious of you when you were talking about the healing coming as you were telling other people the story, your church community, your household. And I don't, I don't have that. In fact, I never mentioned it to our other brother because I felt like it wasn't my, wasn't my story to tell.
0: So this is the first rule for how to forgive. Tell others the story of your loss. Even if you don't feel like it's entirely your story to tell, even if it's something that didn't happen directly to you, telling that story, figuring out how to explain it to someone else, and then seeing how they react, that's an important part of understanding why this is so hurtful to you, and how to make sense of that pain.
3: Recognizing that there is a story of your own losses for which forgiveness um, may be necessary, Um, there's the story of this person who you love. You can't forgive on his behalf, but you can soften the the edges of the pain that you carry for him. You can't forgive for him, um, but you can forgive for you. One of the things that you said, Claire, is that my memory of my mother has changed, has been tainted by this knowledge. And that's that's a hurt. That's a, um, that's a loss. And to be able to enumerate all of the losses, um, maybe not being certain that you wish that your mother could rest in peace. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, And, you know, maybe ultimately that's your check mark or I will know I have forgiven her when, when I can hope for her to rest in peace.
0: This is the next rule. Name your hurt. If you can catalog all the ways, big and small, that this event has caused you pain, you can start to put them away. But until you have that catalog, until you say, write it all down, it's hard to know how to put it to rest.
1: You know what has come to me with this discussion, of course, is my professional role with children who have been severely injured or even killed from family abuse. I mean, all of those stories that I haven't been able to tell either because of, you know, patient privacy and that now I see this as as one more secret that was laid on me that I couldn't bear
0: and it's hard it's hard sometimes to identify all those pains it and to, is. and to, and to honestly feel feel ownership of them, that sometimes right. we we feel like we're not entitled to that trauma, we're not entitled to that pain, and yet your heart still feels it, and unless you admit that to yourself, it's hard to let it go. yeah. Empo, in the book that you wrote with your father, he talked about how his father had abused his mother and how he struggled to forgive. And I imagine that must have been so painful to write. What lessons did you learn from watching your father struggle with this story?
3: I think, actually, the things that were striking to me about that, one was that it was a struggle to, to forgive his father, and the biggest struggle for him was to forgive himself. How do you mean? Um, he was a kid, a, a small boy who wasn't big enough to protect his mother mm. from his father's rages.
0: Claire, do you think that that's part of what's what's keeping this alive for you? Do you think that you feel guilty that you weren't able to protect your brother, that you didn't even know this was happening? <laughs>
1: I think I'm holding on to my anger to vindicate him. If I can stay angry at my mom, then it makes it makes it better for him somehow. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. And when you say that, like, does it make sense to you?
1: Yeah, because I'm... Well, I can't talk, so...
0: We're making progress, but there's more steps to true forgiveness. And when we come back, Empo will tell us about them.
4: This episode is brought to you by Defender. For those who embrace the impossible, the Defender 110 is up for the adventure.
0: We're back with Claire, who's trying to figure out how to forgive her mom, and our expert, Mpo Tutu Van Firth. MPO says she learned a lot about forgiveness from watching her father help lead South Africa's Truth and Reconciliation Commission after apartheid.
3: His work on the Truth and Reconciliation Commission was actually what inspired the Book of Forgiving. It was really what he learned um, from the families of people who had been killed or tortured. If we don't forgive, then there is no hope for us to reconcile, no hope for us to create a new, different, and better South Africa.
0: This is our next rule. Once you're ready, you should talk to the person who hurt you and actually tell them that you forgive them. Sometimes those people have passed away. And so in Claire's case, that means talking to a pair of trees in her backyard, where she buried her mom's ashes and her brother's ashes.
1: So I can sit between those two, the chokecherry and the hawthorn, and talk to both of them. Mm, That's
3: lovely.
0: (laughs) Claire, do you think it would help if if you wrote this story out, if you wrote to your mother and said, I forgive you. Here's all the ways that you hurt me. Here's all the things that I wish I could tell you. But I, I have decided to forgive you. Do you think that would help?
1: Yeah. And, and I tend to be a fairly verbal person, so writing it, putting it in words. But then also I can I can take each of those letters and I can bury them at the base of the trees where mm. their ashes are. I think it would be a tremendous relief why is that because i don't have to keep it a secret anymore
0: yeah impo you write that after after offering forgiveness after after saying to someone i no longer reserve the right to exact revenge on you i'm going to i'm going to give up this anger and this hatred that then the final step and the the goal is to release the relationship What do you mean by that? The
3: past is the past. What happened has indeed happened. But I have decided that I'm not going to make that story be the full description of who you have been in my life. You know, in in Claire's case, that might be um, being able to reclaim the memories of your mother and of your brother in ways that, yes, um, you have this as another part of their story, but it's like a, a piece of tile in a mosaic. It's not the whole picture.
0: This is our last rule. To let the past be the past, you sometimes have to let go of the previous relationship you had with the person you're forgiving and then forge a new relationship or a new memory of that person something that isn't what you had before but which includes those positive things that you still share let me ask Empo if you did if you did see the gardener again
1: Hmm.
0: what would you want to tell him?
3: I would want to tell him that um, he really hurt my heart. I still can hear vividly Angela's mother's, just her her scream when I called. Angela was from Zimbabwe and her mother lived there, and, and I phoned to tell them because I felt that I should be the one to tell her and she just, you know, wailed into my ear and it was just such a piercing cry that you know, I can still feel it in my bones. And all of that said, I know that there is so much more to him than what he did in that day.
1: Well, may I ask you a question, Impol? Mhm. In forgiving Angela's murder. Yes. Did that, again, change how you looked at your relationship or your memories of of the murderer? Yes,
3: actually it did. For me, um, having gone all of my way through the process, I am able to reclaim the young boy who Yeah, who I took halfway up Table Mountain for the first time and just, you know, to remember the wonder in his eyes as he looked out over the city, you know, to reclaim the joy I had in that person and also to feel really sad for him. He, He was young. He was in his 20s when he did this um and and just to to be able to see him as a human being and not to have the full description that I carried of him in my head be he is a murderer yeah i guess my wish for you is to be able to reclaim your mother as mother and not just abusive person right
0: and perhaps part of it for you, Claire, is to say, when the spring comes and the ground is thawed, and you go through the ritual of releasing your mother from your anger by bearing the letter at her tree, what kind of memories and relationship with your mother do you wish would come back to you?
1: Mom and I were good traveling buddies, and we had some really fun times. And sometimes, you know, we'd be traveling or doing something together, and there would be a, an unexpected adverse circumstance. And usually we would just shrug and laugh and say, well, this is adventure number 2,550, or you know, just give it a number. And, <laughs> and and I I miss her. In a sense, I miss having those good memories of her.
0: Impo, do you think Claire can get there?
1: Oh,
3: I do. I think you've made a huge first step.
1: Well, when you consider I've been holding a secret and here I am telling it in a very public forum. (laughs) That's a pretty big first step, if you ask me. That's a huge first (laughs) step.
0: (laughs) Do you think that you will forgive your mother? Yeah, I do. I hope you do, too.
1: I think there's more than the ground that's going to thaw in the spring.
0: Thank you to Claire for sharing her secrets with us and and working through these enormously hard things. And we're so grateful to Empo Tutu Van Firth for her sage advice. Look for the book she wrote with her father, The Book of Forgiving. And as an aside, just a quick update. We checked in with Claire, and she said she had just buried her letters at the base of her trees and had this to say.
2: Hi
1: Charles, it's Claire. I did create a ritual for forgiving yesterday, uh, and I think info would have liked it. It had candles and flowers and music. I read letters to mom and David and then buried the letters under the trees um, whose roots hold their ashes. I was able to ask them for forgiveness also, which I think uh, speaks to the depth and sincerity of my forgiveness of them. Um, But thanks again to you and IMPO for um, a load of help. I really appreciate it. Take care.
0: If you have something you're hoping to get off your chest, send us a note at slate.com and we might be able to help. How to's executive producer is Derek John. Rachel Allen is our production assistant and Merritt Jacob is our engineer. Our theme music is by Hannes Brown. June Thomas is the senior managing producer of Slate Podcast and Gabriel Roth is Slate's editorial director for audio. Special thanks to Asha Saluja and Sung Park. I'm Charles Duhigg. Thanks for listening and stay safe.